Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to start the lecture. Uh, as we all know, uh, uh, this Wednesday, we're starting the cycle of Leo. Uh, we start in the nine days. Uh, just to be aware, those of you who don't have red string, fresh red string, we just bought it from Israel. Uh, those of you who have been with me, we know what we have to go to to make sure this red string is available. Make sure that you wear it at least for the next uh, 10 to 14 days. If you don't get the fresh, vital red string, make sure you order from Debbie and put it on at least for the next two weeks. Uh, and then, uh, as you know me, I don't like people wearing the string for too long because then it's either worshipping. So get rid of it, and after you get rid of it, before Rosh Hashanah, you wear the Rav Ashlak string. Rav Ashlak string, you have to order it, especially from Debbie, then you wear it before Rosh Hashanah. That's the white one. And that's very powerful, especially before Rav Ashlag, uh, before Rosh Hashanah, so you can pray till uh, after Sukkot, and that's going to uh, keep you going. But anyway, we are starting a new book. This is the fifth book of Moses. This is called the Book of Devarim. The fifth book of Moses, very powerful book. And we know that in this book, uh, basically Moses is uh, uh, criticized uh, the Israelite for not being uh, as spiritual as they meant to be supposed to be and they're not well respected all the gifts that the creator was giving them now we need to understand the, the roots of uh, that type of behavior of criticize somebody you know you gotta be first better than them and second uh, not know that you're better than them <laughs> yeah, if you know that you're better than them you cannot criticize because that's ego and if you don't criticize somebody who's doing something wrong that's when you don't love them so uh, that's that's why there is a bridge uh, that what to do what to do with your husband what to do with your wife what to do with the, your kids you love so much what to do with your student what do you do in one way? You gotta tell them this is wrong. On the other hand, who do you think you are to tell them what is wrong? So we're gonna learn today a lot about how to how to do it. What is the right way to do it? Why would Moses choose to do it and tell the Israelite what's wrong with them? And I'm talking about harsh, really tough, tough words, my friend. Not easy. With tough, tough words that everybody else will think like twice before even they. Uh, open their mouth to speak like this. So, to understand that, uh, I took on myself to go and study the uh, book from the Benish Chai, uh, who's talking about Drushima Latura, who's talking about like um, if that's the right thing to do. And the Benish Chai take the uh, section in uh, in the Bible in the Torah, and he take a verse from the section called Kedoshim. Uh, you must criticize whoever is close to you or whoever is uh, or considered by you like you love them but the second verse of that section says but you should not carry a crime while you criticize somebody so it seems like contradict each other like in one way it's I encourage you to tell people like, hey, listen, there's something wrong that you are doing. And the other hand, it says you should be careful not to, to sin. So what does that mean? So we all know that when you tell a person what's wrong with them, um, that's a, not just an insult, it's embarrassing them. The person is shutting themselves down. And I think all of us have that issue of sometimes 
uh, confuse honesty with kindness because honest is not always being kind and honest is all not always positive you know sometimes in the middle of the growth of somebody spiritually the person in the beginning of the growth not doing so well but that same person in two years from now will do great so that's the first six months of the spiritual growth they're doing terrible do you tell them because if you tell them the potential of two years will never take a place because they will be busy with what's wrong with them and then they crash so what is the way really to do it right so the Benish guy write that the way you do it is you cannot talk to one person uh, in an in a individual way, like to say what's wrong with you. You have to do what Moses did. First, Moses wait, waited until he would be under than 20 years old, minus one month. So it's under 19 years old and, and uh, 11 months. So for that reason... Moses is basically telling that to them. So what we learn from that, that Moses not telling it to them so he can come across as a great person and they are not, because otherwise he will tell it to them from the moment he met them. They did enough mistake before. But he say nothing to them. You know, if you look at Moses as a leader, that's tremendously moot, tremendous lesson for all of us. As a leader, he was not busy correcting them. He was busy, he, he was busy correcting them, but it was not busy criticizing them. It was just busy, oh, how do we correct the problem? And I think it's a lesson, I mean, at least for me, I don't know if it's a lesson for you, definitely for me, uh, sometimes being because the personality I have, I'm direct, I'm honest, I'm truth. To people, it's good and bad. The good news, I'm honest. The bad news, I'm honest. So it's not always... I'm not always doing things correctly when it's come to the area of of criticize, uh, but uh, my intention and my uh, where I've come from, I want every student or every person I meet to get to their potential, to get to their goal. I wouldn't tell you that the words are always come right, and I know it because I talk to my family and they reflect on me now well six months together, so. They reflect on me and tell me, hey, it was not clear what you were saying. We didn't know that that's what you meant. And it's it's good, you know, uh, and I'm encourage any student to that I ever told you what you need to change or, or I criticize you always to text me. Maybe you didn't understand me because a lot of people sometimes think that somebody talked to them and criticized them and they fully understand then they get insulted. And that's no good. For that reason, those of you who know me more than 20 years, my style of 15 years ago changed because 15 years ago I would go ahead and tell you what's wrong and fix it and help you fix it. Uh, but what I find out that the ability of the people, even if they say they're strong and they're powerful, not necessarily capable to handle that thing. And it's not something wrong with them. It's something wrong with me that I'm not sensitive enough to recognize that they cannot handle. So I'm not here to crush myself or to crush you. I'm just telling you the, the art of criticizing some, somebody, it's a very, very important. So he's telling that. Um, Moses came to the people and he started telling them what they did wrong. Now, he's talking about, Moses is talking about six things that they did wrong. Not every person was in the oral six things. So let's say Korach, they did the thing where they spoke bad about the leadership. The other one, they complained about the water. So why is he mixing them? He should go to the group of people who complain. He should go to that group to complain. He should go to all the people who did something wrong. From here we learn, say the Ben Ishrai, that when you want to tell 
people what they did wrong or a person what they did wrong, you take that person, you include him together with the crowd and you talk about the concept as a general idea. This you're allowed to do and you should be doing it if you are a spiritual uh, leader. Because you must guide your people for a better life. So for example, I give you, I give you a story so it will be clear to everybody. Um, in a town of Eastern Europe, it was a, a, a wonderful Kabbalist giving lectures. Uh, and the way he gave the lecture, he told five stories. And through the five stories, you get the lecture. And uh, there were a lot of complaints that there is one husband there that really nasty on his wife, criticized his wife in public, uh, slapped her in the face uh, at least uh, once a month. And they say, uh, they went to the rabbi, they went to that Kabbalist and said, can you please talk about being a little bit nicer to the wife? Uh, because this gentleman, the one who sits in the fifth row, in the corner, always, if we don't know what to do, we talk to him. <laughs> said, don't worry. So, the, of course, the rabbi, the Kabbalist, start talking about the importance of being as to your wife, blah, blah, blah. And in the end of the lecture, the student of that Kabbalist going to that gentleman and said, what do you think about the rabbi, the, the teacher, the lecture, what do you think about it? Say, like great lecture, I hope everybody else will listen to him, because I think they, they need to listen to him. It wasn't for me, I'm good, but there's a lot of people here who definitely need to hear it for their wife. So what do we learn from this story? A lot of time when you criticize somebody, uh, they don't know it's about them. So how is that general idea of talking to the crowd will help them? Well, in the section of Kedoshim, in the Zohar, in the book of the Zohar, they said there is stages. Stage one, you, you, you basically uh, talk to the person uh, alone in the room. Stage two, in front of his friend. Stage three, in front of everybody. And stage four, you just leave the person alone because there's no change will be. But here, Moses starts with the stage that he talked to general in front of everybody, but he doesn't tell who did the scene, who did wrong, who didn't. He's just talking general idea. And that's the Torah is telling us is the right way to go. Because when you go with that way, you're not insulting anybody. Uh, for that reason, the Talmud, the Mishnah said that if you're insulting somebody in public, it's better you throw yourself to the fire, which was will be uh, much better than speak negative about a person and embarrass them in front of the public. And he continue, and he say that when you are about to tell somebody something is wrong, there is sakanat of itnasut. Nasut meaning that you 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 will feel you are above them, and if, if, if you do that, um, there is very very dangerous. Sometimes the Creator, the Divine, send you a person to do a mistake, so you can actually wake up to see what's wrong with you, and it, and it's a very very important thing. I want to tell you a story. Some people told me that I shouldn't tell too many stories, including my wife. And I said to my wife, listen, the way I teach, it's called pardes. Pardes means pshat, pshat means the simplicity of the lecture. Remez, I give a hint. Drash, I give a story. Sod, I give a secret. It's your job as a student to find where is my pardes. So the story is like that. And uh, in my life, I had different jobs and one of the jobs that I find that um, rewarding was cleaning street in my 
city of Beneberak. Beneberak is a very ultra-Orthodox Jewish city where I live. I go up there. You clean the street, you clean the garden. Uh, it's, a, it's a physical job. And, and you, get, you get a break in the afternoon for lunch and then you continue cleaning street and cleaning the garden. You, you, you work for the city. And I had to make money. My parents didn't have money, so whatever job I could have at daytime, whatever job I can have at nighttime, just to make a living. So, in one of uh, uh, the, the, the work that I'm sitting and taking a break for lunch, I'm seeing a lot of things because people, I'm just a cleaning guy. If one of the cleaning guys, you're allowed to sin as much as possible, right? So it was, I'm seeing this person is praying and praying to God and praying and praying to God. And after he prayed to God, he's run to the, to the, to the shop and the shop just get a delivery of uh, 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 cakes, a lot of cakes because in Israel, the way it is, the store open at 8, but the delivery of the cake arrive like around 7.15 or 6.30. It's very fresh. Every morning you get fresh bread, fresh cake, fresh everything. So, it's a small store, of course. I'm cleaning and I'm seeing him after he's praying. He go and he take a cake and he disappear. Sure, I'm there, I'm cleaning every day. So I said, maybe I should, the next day he come, I will wait for him. So he's coming and, uh, and I, I call him in a way, what I thought was stealing. And I said to him, listen, I saw you pray so beautiful to God. And then I saw you take something without permission. Um, and he looked at me and said to me, first, that's very nice of you watching me, how I pray, and that's very nice of you, that you come to me like that instead of judging me. Uh, but I need to help you uh, not to put obstacles in front of your eyes. So what do you mean? And he tell me, uh, listen, I have an arrangement with the, with the store here that I'm taking cake a day and then I'm giving him in the end of the month the money. And uh, of course, he tell me as a man who's praying, as a man who practices spirituality, I always, of course, pay. I'm not doing it for him, I'm doing it for me because I don't want to sin in the eyes of the Creator, the Divine. He said, I'm so sorry. Okay, he said, no, don't be sorry. This is beautiful of you to wake me up. And after he left, I start crying. And the reason I start crying because I look inside and I say, wow, I judged that person. Most probably God sent that person because in my life, I wasn't spiritual at that point. Uh, in my life, maybe there is, I'm stealing time. Maybe I'm taking lunch break for too long, even if they pay me. All kind of stealing situation. And I start thinking, why God put in front of my eyes this person? For that reason, when you criticize a person, before you criticize, you have to check if you see somebody is doing something wrong, maybe, just maybe, what they do wrong is to teach you something. And if you're not learning something from that, you're not going to grow. And here I'm telling you another story that's good for my wife too. The story takes place 500 years ago. <clears throat> and the story goes with the, the time of Rabbi Isaac Luria. He used to be a poor man that was embarrassed to go home because it was no food. And usually people eat from the, from the Friday till Friday. And, you know, you need to buy food for Shabbat because the Shabbat is supposed to be like nice food, good bread, candles and all this and that. <clears throat> what do you do? So, the gentleman, the last stop that you go to is God. He goes to, to the synagogue uh, and uh, he opened the ark where the Torah is, the scroll is. 
And he prayed to God. He said, God, you know, I believe in you. And I believe that you believe in me. I love you. And I believe you love me. But to be honest, I, I don't find any, any solution how to find work or to make a living. I, I don't. I just don't. And I don't know what to do. Start talking to God. And he said, God, I, I need a sign because I'm losing my faith here. I'm really losing my faith and I don't want to steal. So if you please, I'm going to come here uh, tomorrow. It was Thursday night. I'm going to come here tomorrow and hopefully when I open the ark, I'll find money or food or something. In the same town, the storyteller us, live a very wealthy man. This connection to the creator was good, but he didn't feel a connection. And he went same synagogue and he said dear God you know I want to connect more so I'm going to treat you with the physical thing that gentleman had many businesses one of the businesses he has was bakery so because he has a bakery he, he bakes challah challah is like a bread a loaf of bread the most beautiful loaf of bread with grains and sesame like oh, unbelievable and he bring it to the ark where the Torah is where the scroll is and said dear God if you love me please receive that gift for me and he put it there and he closed the ark Close the ark, beautiful, and he go. The poor man, <laughs> of course, you know what's going to happen. He's coming back to the ark to pray to God. Say, God, uh, this is it. This is the last chance before I'm stealing, before I'm losing my mind here. He opened the ark, you see, you see a loaf of bread. He started to believe in the Creator like 10 times more, and he, and he, make, he started crying. He said, shame on me that I was thinking to steal, and you, God, send me those loaf of bread. He take it to his wife. The, 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 the wife and him have food for the Sabbath and the rich man come back to the ark say it's empty so wow God accept my gift and this is going on for three months my friend three months this is going on um, one day the rabbi of that shul of that uh, synagogue happened to be there a little bit later usually you pray around 6am and then but he, he been there around 11 when that situation take place and you see the poor the rich man come put a big bread this time he put extra bread and so many gifts and cakes and you see the poor man come and he is now receiving that gift and both of them believe that God is is the one who supplied the bread see see I gotta stop that next week so he waited next week he see the rich man arrive first and he holding his arm say how are you doing I said, yes, he said, what are you doing? He said, me and God have a deal. I'm giving God that bread and I'm, my heart is connected to the Creator. It has been better. He said, why don't you sit with me behind the door? So he said, behind the door. Uh, one hour later, walked the poor man and he is receiving the, the goods, the, the bakes, uh, the bakery, fresh bread and cookies. And uh, then he introduced them. He said, this is the poor man, that's the rich man. And he's the one who beg, you're the one who receive. Uh, God was not involved in this. And that's it. And the Barabbai go his way. The rich man, of course, is super disappointed. He's so ashamed. The poor man is even more ashamed that he meet the person who gave him the gift. In that town live the famous Rabbi Isaac Luria. The most famous Kabbalist ever live. So, you know Rabbi Isaac Luria used to be able to read faces and hands of people. So he could say, see around the face, the angels and everything going on. So he's going down, if you know the, the mikveh of Rabbi Azikluria, it's in Tzfat, going down the stairs. And you see the rabbi going up. And Rabbi Azikluria, who people knew him to be a psychic, and he holds the hand of the rabbi on the way up. The rabbi says, excuse me? Say hi, how are you? I say, good. He said, uh, I need to talk to you aside. I say, yes, what do you need? 
He said, Rabbi, I'm sorry to tell you this, but uh, you may want to say goodbye to your family, to your kids, to this. So what are you talking about? He said, there is a decree in heaven that you're going to die Saturday night. So why? I'm a rabbi. I'm the best person. I'm doing spirituality. So well, since the destruction of the second temple, the angels are looking for two people who have simple faith. Just simple, simple, simple. This poor man has simple faith. Even if it was not real, it was very powerful in the eyes of the angel. The rich man also has a simple faith. And it was beautiful. The angels were enjoying that pray, that connection for tremendous, tremendous amount of time. And you, Rabbi, said, you stop it. You stop that simple thing from happening. You did the right thing. You, you did justice. But in heaven there is a decree that I cannot remove for you. You will have to die Saturday night. And that's what happened, by the way. The rabbi died Saturday night. And the lessons of this story, of course, that a lot of time we are here to criticize and to correct what we think is wrong. But not always it's my place to correct what's wrong. Sometimes you got to let things happen. Sometimes you got to let things pass. Uh, it will be... You will have to have a lot of knowledge, a lot of information. You have to be a scholar to know where to get involved, when not to get involved. For that reason, the Talmud telling you, you know, it's a wiser to be quiet. Now you understand why Moses has to get to age under the 19 in 11 months <laughs> to criticize these people. Try to imagine that Moses, you know, Moses was 80 when he entered the desert. And he died when he was under 20, 40 years together with these people. But he started his job a little bit before, just to let you know and to make sure you understand. So his job began way before that, uh, when he was 40. So we are talking about a person who can tell them all what's wrong with them, but he didn't. Now, can you do that? Can you be with the people you love and not criticize them? Can you do that? Can you wait? Until God say, hey, by the way, there's one month for you to live. Now you can criticize the people you love. Or you feel that you have to do it right away. That, that's, that's a big question here. And for that reason, um, um, this, this week is about not telling people what's wrong with them. If you're not ready to do it in the right way, it's better to wait. And then, in a balanced way, when you want to tell, tell it not from a place of above, tell it from a place, maybe I'm seeing it for a reason. And how is that reflect on me? What is it I need to change? Am I a thief? And that's why I see people stealing. Am I, am I a cheater? And that's why I see people cheating. Uh, all those things are the mirror effect, meaning whatever I see is there to affect me. On Wednesday, hopefully, if Debbie will remind me, I will teach you about the letter Tet when I speak on Wednesday. The letter Tet looking inside, inward, which means on the month of Leo, this is one mission in the month of Leo, you got to look inside. That's a lecture I'm going to give on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, I think five, five, right? Five on Facebook. So when you're looking inside, so just be aware of those things. So it's very, very important. Now, now why, why, Moses is keep uh, 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 telling them now thing that happened 20 years ago. What, what's so important? Well, in, in the spiritual journey, those of you who are 
on a spiritual journey. It's not enough to study spirituality. You got to keep it fresh. You got to keep spirituality fresh. Meaning, it's written that every day is supposed to be a new day for your spirituality. When you wake up this morning, it has to be the first day of your spirituality. You remember your first pray. You remember your first meditation. You remember your first flavor of some food. That's supposed to be the feeling. The feeling has to be, wow, that's my first time, let me do it. That's my first time, let me, let me get excited here. And unfortunately, a lot of time, people are not looking at life as this is the first. So when they come to pray, it's just another pray. When they come to, to do the Sabbath, it's another Sabbath. Uh, soon is Rosh Hashanah. If you do the Rosh Hashanah like you did last year, you didn't do a thing. Everything has to be as fresh as possible. And if you don't do it as fresh as possible, then there is nothing that. For that reason, Moses criticized them for things that 20 years ago, to bring them back to that moment. So they learn from that what to do and also what not to do. It's a big deal to teach people you love what to do. But it's also a bigger deal what not to do. This is a very, uh, it's very, very important uh, to understand that. Now, how do you know what not to do? And how do you tell people what not to do? Well, in every area of life, there is your desire. What do you want from life? You have to ask yourself, what do I want for my life? Now, when you ask yourself, what do you want? Then come the question, second question, why do you want what you want? Why do you want? Now, that why can split to two. If it's for me only, just for myself, uh, most probably, even if you're going to get it, you're not going to be happy. If you want to get it because there is ability there to reflect on others, then it's a great idea. Example, if you want to, let's say, um, my, my across the street neighbor, I said, what do you want? What do you want? You're working too hard. What do you want? Say, I want $200 million. $200 million. It's, it's a lot of money. I mean, everything is relative, but it's, it's still a lot of money. $200 million. The point is, can you also give $200 million? If you cannot give $200 million, you're not ready yet to have it, and it will bring happiness. Happiness and $200 million will only happen if the $200 million can be shared. Or you can buy a product with that that can share with people. Example, you build, I don't know, uh, activities or, 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 or community center for all the community for free. Everybody can come in and enjoy the community center. That's okay. You can ask that type of money. But if you ask just money and there is no sharing aspect in it, it's not going to work. So Moses is basically teaching the Israelite that if you want to have a true happiness, you got to look inside, not just about what to do, also what you should prevent yourself from doing. What can you prevent? And this is a list that you have to do, uh, all of us, not you, me too. Uh, all of us have to get to a place that we are looking inside the is and asking, can I prevent myself from doing a certain thing? That's first. Second, don't put yourself in an environment. If there is an environment that you know you're not going to make it there. For example, some people have uh, um, a non-ability to restrict themselves from eating food. Why would you go to a restaurant if you cannot restrict yourself from eating? You only can go to places where you're capable of putting a curtain, a massage, when you're able to put something there to say no to yourself. If you cannot say no to something, why would you put yourself in there 
to begin with, what to test your ability to control your desire. That, that's not it. The, the way that you know you're capable to be in a certain place is it's no longer bother you. Example, again, I'm sorry, story. So uh, David me did a party in, uh, in Boca Raton and I was teaching at that time uh, a large amount of group of people, hundreds of kids and families uh, that I used to teach how to overcome addiction based on the 12th step and based on spirituality and Kabbalah. So when I, when I did what I did, I did that. Uh, one of the things that, that happened, I got friendly with the, with the student, with the people, and it was fascinating to see how they are uh, changing, how they are getting better every day, so it was so beautiful. Uh, one of the gentlemen there who was addicted to heavy, heavy-duty drugs, for many years he's kept going to the rehab and out. So I asked him, listen, we're doing a party. I want to invite you, but I'm worried about you because we will serve alcohol, it will be music. And I don't know, Leo. I've been to hell and back for 10 years. You can put a bottle of alcohol in front of my face, I will not even sniff it or touch it. I already don't have within me that desire for that. I, I mastered it already. And so what do you mean? He said to me, when I go to my friend to the bar or something like this, I drink either a glass of milk or a glass of water with ice. The point is, when you are already in that stage, you can go to places that before that was dangerous for you. But you cannot go to places that used to be damaging you uh, when your desire control you. If the desire controlling you, you cannot go to those places. If you control your own desire, then you can go. Now, how do you know? How do you know? Go and ask a mentor or a teacher to see that you're in the right place. Why am I sharing this with you? Because Moses is teaching the Israelite two aspects. What they should be doing, how they should be sharing and giving, that's not enough. You also have, in the personality of a spiritual person, have to have two categories. How big you give and how big you influence the world, that's one thing. But not every person who influences the world in a big way, they are spiritual because are you capable of saying no to something that you are doing on a regular basis? Judging, speaking behind people's back, getting angry, uh, some different type of bad behavior or addiction. You got to check that part because that part is also. So in spirituality, you have what we call two aspects of spirituality. The one is the excitement about doing wonderful and good things. And the second is retrieve or not retrieve, restrict yourself uh, from area that not you, you, you can control it. You have to you have to be careful or, or slow down. For example, if you uh, have uh, some issue of, of 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 eating, stay away. You don't have to put the balls of the French fries next to you. Just push it away. Just push it away as a spiritual act, not as a physical losing weight kind of a thing. Spiritual act, I mean, until you say, oh, you know what, I'm going to have one because I can't control it myself. I can't, I just can't, I want, but I can't. If I can't control that part, why would I put myself in that situation? I shouldn't. And that's what Moses is telling them before the interwell, Israel. Because when you're going to Israel, within the land of Israel, that's Malchut of Malchut, this is the strongest desire. And because it's the strongest desire, it's awakening all your desire from within. When you awake all that, all those different types of desire from within, you won't think that controlling you. 
you don't want to think that you're controlling it. And for that reason, you know, what Moses criticized the Israelite for the last months of his life is truly to help them. It's not for a second that he has ego on that. This is very important. Now, I want to explain it now from uh, a Kabbalist named Kerem Shlomo, uh, Rabbi Shlomo Elberstein, and uh, his Ilula, his death anniversary is actually on Wednesday, no coincidence. So he writes like that. You should tell your friend what's wrong with them. And he say like that. When you are about to talk to your friend, to tell them what they did wrong. Do you want, the question he said, do you want them to listen to you or you just want to tell them what's wrong with them? What do you think? Maybe it's a good one, huh? Do you want them to really get it? Or do you want them uh, uh, to uh, just that you say something? Do you want to tell something to someone so it will go to, from their ears to the heart and then they start changing? Or you just want to say it because you want to sound smart or a guru? For that reason, the, the, it's written, meaning, What is that being that when you talk to them, you should make them feel okay when you criticize them? How can you make them feel okay when you criticize a person? So what it say? It say you have to show them that after they listen to you, nothing will be missed from their life. They will have more money, they will have more bread, they will have more luxurious things. Everything will be okay. Because when a person starts thinking, if I will be lacking health, or I will be lacking uh, food, or he will be worried about problems that might happen to him, then that person from fear doesn't listen to the person who criticizes them. So, again, I want to repeat. So when somebody comes to criticize you and you get scared, do you listen to them? No, it's gone. You don't listen to them anymore. Why you don't listen to them anymore? Very, very simple. Because you're so depressed for what they say. You're afraid to lose your health. You're afraid to lose your money. You're afraid to lose your food. You're afraid to lose the people you love. You're nervous. For that reason, you have to be righteous if you criticize somebody. You have to tell them, listen, the reason I want you to change is because you deserve more than that. Okay, you understand? You cannot tell them if you don't change, you lose. I hope it's clear. It's a very important message for everybody. You cannot scare people, tell them, hey, listen, if you don't do that, oh, 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 you're going to lose your money, you're going to lose this, even if it's true. Even if it's true, can't tell them like that. You have to tell them, listen, you got to change it because there is so much more weight for you. So, for example, if a person has a uh, doing terrible job in his business, you don't tell them, if you do this terrible job in your business, you're going to lose your business. No, you tell them, listen, you got to change because there is $2 million waiting for you to reveal don't you want so it's coming from a place of excitement the same way that Moses did it so Moses excited people as much as he criticized them he criticized the bad part of not getting how much the divine want to give them and the number one uh, negativity that can happen to a human being that you not include the light force of the creator what is the light force of the creator think about it light force of the creator think about it let's say it. light force of the creator what is it what is it? 
life force of the creator exists everywhere. The fruit and the vegetables and the birds, everything. Lately, my wife started baking bread. Uh, disaster. Why is it that a disaster? Because we're eating. And when somebody baking bread, you start eating. And I have issues with, with bread or with food. So you eat. So you do sport and then you eat bread. I can't say no. And when she baked the bread, she goes silent. She goes mute. Doesn't talk to anybody. And when I ask her, what, what, what's the story with you going mute on me? I'm asking a few questions. So she does this. After half an hour, once the door is ready, then she says, okay, what do you want? And what she does, she meditates that the light force of the Creator will be injected to the bread. So there is bread that you're going to eat without the light force of the Creator. And there is bread that, that we eat. Now, from outside, it looks the same. From outside, it looks the same. It's not, not a different. It's just a moment of waiting and injecting it. And injecting it. Now what, what does that mean to inject something that's called the light force of the Creator to everything? It means that whatever that bread needs to go, whatever that business they need to go, whatever that drive needs to take a place, whatever people think of you or don't think of you, that's exactly what the light force of the Creator is involved. When the light force of the Creator is involved, it will be just great. So when Moses, again going back, criticized the people, he removed those layers of the people not being connected to the light force of the divine. When, when a person starts telling the person, listen, I'm about to tell you what is wrong with you, but in the center you got to promise them that that will give them more money, more food, more the, not the opposite, not to scare them. I know in, 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 in a religious world, there is fear. There's people scaring you. Hey, listen, if you misbehave, and I remember when the COVID-19 happened, a lot of religious people went on Facebook and Instagram and tell people, that's because you don't do this and that's because you don't do... And this is wrong according to Kabbalah and according to spirituality. You can't do it to the people. Moses didn't even do it, so you want to do it? You can't scare people. And he continue. It's a, in Mechilta, it's a section in the Talmud, in Yitro, when the Israelites were about to receive the Torah on Mount Sinai, all the people who were sick get healthy. Everybody become healthy. And whoever was blind start to see. Whoever was deaf start to hear. Whoever was mute start to talk. But why was God busy with the Israelites being cured before he gave them the gift of the Torah? What is the lesson for us as Kerem Shlomo? Usually, God is not making miracle as a protection. What is that? Look what Kerem Shlomo is writing. It's one of my favorite section. My favorite. And may for me, I will remember it as well. Because that's for all spiritual leader. Because the Creator want to teach us if you want to make the Israelites closer, if you want to make Israelites mean spiritual people, if you want to make people close to spirituality, first, first you've got to take care of the Gashmiut. First you have to take care of the physicality. Make sure that they are healthy physically. Make sure they have enough money. Make sure they have enough food. First you've got to take care of the physicality. 
go after people's spirituality. It's good also for the mother to listen to me right now. It's good also for the father to listen to me right now. You can push your children to be spiritual before you take care of their physicality. First, if you want somebody to listen to you, you have to make them sit down and supply everything they want, whatever they need at that moment. Then their mind will be open to receive any spiritual knowledge or even criticism that you want to tell them. Can you imagine? Say, sit down, have a meal with me. Uh, uh, by the way, I'm going to give you money now every week, a little bit money for you. I want to make sure that you're going to be healthy. I'm, I'm assigning this doctor for you. All the goodness. Don't you think they will listen to you now? Now, most of you will say, yeah, maybe they will, maybe they're not. No. For me, the lesson of Kerem Shlomo is because God acted that way, we have to imitate God. <laughs> Come on, are we better than God? Are you going to criticize people the way you wish to? That. that that person you want to criticize, yes, they did something wrong. But do you want them to do something right? Or you want to be right about what's wrong about them? And now I'm telling you another story. As Debbie asked me to not to tell too many stories. So we were living in uh, Tarzana in the valley. Those of you know San Fernando Valley. And uh, Debbie lost her key. And it used to bother me. I have four planets in Virgo. I don't know if you know what it is. Astrology. Five planets in Scorpio. I'm a pretty intense guy about details. Uh, so I bought for her a special keychain in the size of this cup. So she will never lose it again. Uh, she's a mother to two babies. Breastfeeding one. Other one. Yoda and Michael. So it wasn't easy for her. But you know, I'm busy with me too much. It was with my becoming a spiritual guru at that time. We talk about uh, 19 years ago. 19 years ago. I think only uh, Mark and Catherine met me there in the valley, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm very upset. She lost that keychain that I bought. First, it was expensive. Second, I'm tired of her. Where's my keys? Uh, so not being so trusted I kept extra key in my pocket in case she lose the key and she lost the key so she keep looking the key I'm not even helping her I'm so pissed and angry my god and then all of a sudden she looked at me and she said to me are you sitting here on the couch not helping me because you wish I would not find so you can tell me what's wrong with me or you wish I will find so we can get back to the house that question changed me, I have to say. That question changed me. And the reason it changed me because uh, my, my purpose was that I would be right, she would be wrong, and I could give her the whole lecture about what's wrong about losing the key. Since days, since that day, a lot of things changed in my life. We went through a lot, ups and downs. The down is great too. I'm not talking about down as a bad thing. Good days, bad days, bad days are necessary for good days. Bad day give birth to good days because they are the vessel. Good day are the light within the vessel, those of you know little Kabbalah. So everything is important. But what we learn from that 
is what she told me was not from a place of criticism, it was with a question, with a suggest. And a lot of time that work better than just tell a person what's wrong with them. And uh, I just wish for all of us like to stop, uh, point the finger and tell what everybody's wrong because it doesn't do the, uh, the work that, and I say all of us include myself, like to stop that because the work that before we criticize somebody, always to tell them, uh, is your money okay? Is food is okay? Is your life okay? Is the love life okay? And all this and that. And then you tell them, listen, uh, I believe that there is potential to all of those great things you want. You got to change a bit. Not because if you don't change, you get punished. You got to change because if you change, there is so much reward. So it's, it's a very important uh, lesson that Kem Shlomo is sharing with us uh, about God. And um, for that reason, uh, when going back in the book of Kemptomo, Moses, and, and it say that Moses, you know, uh, basically um, has to get to feel the pain um, of the people, even if the people are kind of. Uh, some that deserve to go to some tough time because when you're doing something wrong spiritually, you fall down to the mud. And when you fall down to the mud, uh, you gotta clean yourself. And when you gotta clean yourself, that process is tough. So even if the divine send you money and success, you can enjoy it because you are still inside the mud. So the, the process of coming out of the mud needs somebody, people to tell you that you are in the mud. A lot of time people uh, don't even know that they are in, they're stuck. For that reason, you know, Moses has waked them up as they're about to go into Israel, is about to go into the land of Canaan and say, listen, you didn't do so well, so it's time for you uh, to change so you can receive all this wonderful thing that the Creator want to give you. So if I summarize all of it, um, you know, I talk about criticism, I talk about how to do criticism, I talk about how Moses did it, and I talk about how to apply that with people that you love, and then I also talk about the idea of being able, whatever you're able to push back, that's as much as you can have. If you cannot give love, don't, ex don't, don't ask for love because that's wrong for you to ask for love because that's going to hurt you. You can only ask for things that you can push away. You can only... Uh, ask for money if you can share money. You can only ask for wisdom if you can share wisdom. You can only ask for beauty if you can share beauty. So, depends what you're asking for. Uh, you ask a peace of mind, you have to give a peace of mind to somebody else. You cannot ask for things that you cannot reflect back. Because if you ask for things that you cannot reflect back, that's going to hurt you, unfortunately. And that's not so good. Not always more is more. Sometimes less is more. But is more is more? Yeah, more is more only when you do sharing. When you do sharing with everything that you are received, then of course it will be amazing. So if you're buying a big house, because within the big house, um, there is a way for you to, to build, to share, to do wonderful things, then not a problem. That's always to share. Thank you so much for coming and thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you.